Hi, this is John Ilsley from Dire Straits, spelled S-T-R-A-I-T-S. And uh, you're listening to, the, what is it, the Brutally ma- Majestic Podcast. <laughs> okay. That's going to be the best one yet. Yeah. I'll just change the title for you. Yeah, please. <laughs> That'll teach you to spell our name wrong. <laughs> Hello, John. Hello. Can I just ask, first of all, who spelt Dire Straits wrong? I don't know. What? <laughs> who spelt Dire Straits? Who spelt Dire Straits Where? wrong? Where? Come on, own up. Who was it? On the calendar? <laughs> oh, Bruce. 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 Wow. Bruce, you're fired. I'm fired. <laughs> that is awesome. <laughs> No, it's not. No mercy, John. I like it. Hey, John, I sure hope that you make him pay this entire interview. Like, if he asks you a question, say, well, can I even trust you? Because you don't even know how to spell the band name. I don't know how. I'm not sure I can trust him with anything. (laughs) Not at all. (laughs) Well, thanks for joining us, John. I really appreciate it. As you can tell, that's my partner, Chris and Rena. Hello. 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 Got a busy Very day. nice to meet you, John. Hi. Hello, Bruce. <laughs> I, I, look at the t- attitude in the voice. Hello, Bruce. <laughs> yeah, you're not forgiven yet. Let me put it that way. Before we get... Bass, is that a bass guitar behind you? Oh, this is my recording studio. I have a uh, Fender PJ and a Jazz, Fender Jazz right behind it. Nice. Um, the Fender Jazz is a 94 American, and I put in uh, the DiMarzio uh, bars in there. It's real. Why would you do that? Um, because I I I tuned down quite a bit, and my old pickups the the wire uh, I don't know what happened to them, but they stopped working really. Okay, they had they had to be rewound because they were so old and they toured around so much and had so much beer on them that uh, you know you're not supposed, you're not supposed to drink beer when you're playing a bass guitar. You know that really? You? Uh, <laughs> you, uh, <laughs> did you did you heed, did you heed that? I not advice? tell you that. Did you heed the? Did you heed that advice on the road? Well, funny enough, I, I found that I need both hands to play bass guitar, but obviously <laughs> it, you must you do it differently. Obviously, I, I played in an alt rock band, and it was on part of our stage show was um, doing um, beer bongs on stage with fans. Oh my so. god! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's not got much to do with music, is it? That's just got to having a good time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> that's funny sorry that, no though but that's a great segue john i mean that's a lot of what this book is about my life in dire straits how did you i mean obviously you've been keeping notes through the years what made you decide to just jump in and put this together now um good very good question it's not easy to answer that i i was approached by an agent a literary agent who came to see one of my shows and I talked a bit about, you know, the band in between the songs and all the rest of it. And she, she said, why don't you put this in a book? Because it actually would make a good read. And uh, so after very various discussions with her, I agreed to do it. And um, uh, I kind of, re- I really enjoyed the process, actually, uh, of just reliving the whole thing, you know, from the beginnings of being in Leicestershire and being in a simple kind of household and, 
uh, and then the first meetings with Mark until we ended up in sort of stadiums about 15 years later. Right. And I just thought it'd be very interesting to share this. Oh, this journey, for want of a better word, with other people who, um, because, you know, the band was very uh, well known, if you like, obviously, uh, right. all over the world. So I, I figured there was a lot of people there might be interested to see actually what it was like being in that situation. Right. What was it like revisiting those those memories? And I mean, because some of them are way back. Well, it was a bit difficult sometimes because, as we know, the memory does fade a little bit. Um, but so I had to check a few things and have had a few conversations with people just to make sure I got the things right. Um, but it, it was quite interesting piecing it all together. So I did it very chronologically. If you've had a look at the book, it's you know it's early beginnings and at home and all the rest of it, and my first interest in music, and then the build up of playing in different bands and then meeting Mark and. Uh, and and success for Dire Straits came quite quickly, actually. So that was an interesting moment, and I think that um, I think people will find that quite fascinating uh, to read about that and, and how it happened and why it happened. All right. Well, in the in the excerpt I read uh, this uh, when I was preparing for this interview, it talks about you like kind of coming home, you're hungover, and <laughs> <laughs> and you you get home. And, me, really? <laughs> yeah, and there's Mark sleeping on the floor. You yeah. know, there's cigarette butts and beers everywhere, and he, he's got a Gibson Les Paul. Like, are he's sleeping with his guitar? Yeah, and yeah. and that to me really kind of signified because, like, when I was growing up, like my brother was a huge Dire Straits fan, and I became one later in my life. I was pretty young when you know a lot of your hits were were out. Yeah, but my brother would constantly play Dire Straits, like it was something that happened all the time, and and I always thought of Dire Straits as like this killer guitar band, you know. No, no yeah. offense to the to the rhythm section or anything like that, you know. But no offense taken. But just it was just such a killer guitar band, but not in the way that every other band was a guitar band at that time. Right. You know, you know, yes. like everyone was like a shredder and, and there was distortion and hair and Dire Straits was just yeah. grooving. Yeah. Well, I think you could, I mean, basically the band discovered it had its own style quite early on and it was based around songs and uh, the rhythm section with me and Pick was very important, I think, in creating that sort of what I call the engine room of the band. <laughs> and it happened very quickly. It happened very naturally with Pick that we we played together like that. And Mark's playing at that point in time was very different from anybody else's I'd ever come across. And uh, he didn't need to distort things and, you know, pick the guitar with his teeth and stuff like that. He, you know, um, <laughs> and and the interesting thing about Mark, he, you know, he's left-handed. Yeah. But he plays the guitar right-handed. Really? Oh, I didn't know yeah. that. Because I was like, wait a second. Yeah. Were they flipping the videos around? <laughs> so so basically it meant he had a lot of, because he's left-handed, he had a lot of strength in his left hand. So I think that helped. And he's spoken about this in interviews, so I'm not saying anything out of, out of line here. He found that he could get a lot of vibrato on the strings because he had a very strong left hand. Oh, interesting. And I think that's probably where a lot of that guitar sound, guitar technique comes from. 
Yeah. Very interesting. So, so like when I saw, when I read that part though, and he's sleeping with the guitar, is that something <laughs> that the band kind of did? Like, I, I don't mean literally, but... Um, <laughs> Jesus. No, you, no. You mean we had no, we had no choice, you mean? <laughs> no, I mean like, was the entire band that dedicated to their instrument where, you know, they literally slept with, with it in their hands? Well, you know what it's like. Do you know what it's like sleeping with a 61 Jazz? I do. <laughs> yeah, okay. well, hmm. I've well, slept I, in the back I of the van with it in its case many times. <laughs> I, I don't, but uh, uh, no, I think that I just happened to catch him in a moment where, you know, I got in about eight o'clock in the morning um, for all sorts of reasons I won't get into, go into now. But <laughs> and I was uh, and I and I was making some tea in the kitchen. I turned around and I. I saw this figure lying on the floor, um, sort of with, with a couple of bottles of beer next to him and, and a, an ashtray, which was very much overflowing, to say the very least. <laughs> and he was fast asleep. And of course, he woke up when I was banging around in the kitchen. And um, I don't know, we just sort of, we fell into a conversation and, and, and it just seemed very warm straight away. I just warmed to him straight away. And I think he warmed to me straight away. So that was the beginning of a very, long and enjoyable friendship i must say and it still exists today thankfully Heck yeah Brady? that's that's oh, oh sorry sorry i was just gonna say that's not something a lot of bands can say you know that after well, decades yes, I, and decades of being together that they're yeah. still super close yeah, yes i mean i don't know about other bands really i, I do know that other bands have problems i mean you know it, it's not all plain sailing uh, you know sometimes bands just turn up at the at the stage in different cars and cars and play together and then get in the cars and go home separately. So, but we weren't like that. I have to say we did actually stick together and yeah, enjoyed each other's company uh, very much. And so it was kind of like a family environment. Uh, I'm not making it sound all sort of lovely and lovey dovey and all the rest of it, but we had a mutual respect for each other, I think, which uh, has lasted the, the, the test of time, especially with Mark and I. And um, all the other musicians that joined us, I think, picked up on that vibe that he and I put out about, you know, what we were trying to achieve. And we were, I have to say, we were pretty strict as far as, you know, the live gigs were concerned. We weren't throwing beer over each other like some people. I know. <laughs> um, and um, but, um, <laughs> you know, we had a serious amount of fun. Don't get me wrong. I mean, uh, if you read the book, I think you'll pick that up. I mean, uh I'm not saying there weren't, there weren't there was no saints in the band. Let's put it that way. But I mean, we we knew that at eight o'clock in the evening we had to be there, ready to play in front of how many ever people it was, and we stuck to that rule. It did, after the gig, we'd go back to the hotel. Some people would go off and do stuff and all the rest of it. But the rule was, you were there on stage the next day, eight o'clock, stone cold sober. That was the only rule we had. You know, um, a good rule. I, didn't, I, I don't want to get into everybody else's habits. Oh, no. it's dangerous territory, <laughs> right? <laughs> is Rena frozen? Rena's frozen. Rena so is frozen. She she's just a, a statue right now. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I thought she always looked like that, but because <laughs> she has been frozen for a while, I think. Yeah, I don't know. I was so engaged in the conversation, I didn't notice. So well, that's, that's you better tell Rita that yourself. I think. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, in terms of the actual physical process of writing this, she's, book, gone, she's gone now. You see, well, you she'll be back. Okay, she's in Finland. She's where? She's in, in Finland. Finland. She's in Finland. Yeah, yeah. 
Oh, geez. Okay. The physical process of writing this book, was this something that that, um, you did alone? Or did you have someone, did you tell someone your stories and have them write it? How did that collaborative part work? Oh, no, I I have to to admit, I had to have somebody that would put down my endless ramblings about this, that, and the other and put it in some kind of order. But it was a very, it was a collaborative process, uh, which I found very engaging. He and I had the same sense of humor. And uh, he knew, the great thing about him was he knew nothing about the music business. (laughs) Wow. Uh, So he had a lot to learn, which was kind of fresh for me. So I had to explain things. So I had to sort of like, you know, big up on all the things that I thought I knew about. And um, it was a great experience, but it's very much my voice. And he, he really captured that. But I would have still, I'd still be writing it now. I mean, you know, if, if it was me just doing it, because uh, you, I think you need somebody to pick up on your conversation. And we spoke endlessly on Zoom for all the way through lockdown. And so lockdown was quite a convenient moment, actually, in the in, in, in England. So and so I got this thing done, but it's very much me. It's very much my voice that he captured. And we went back over it, backwards and forwards, backwards and forwards. And I took things out, added things, taken. And so I'm very happy with the outcome. And um, he's he's an old friend. So, uh, you know, we understand each other quite well. Nice. That's great. Re- well, Rena, you're yeah. back. Welcome back. I'm here again. <laughs> are, you in, are you really in Finland? Yes. I am here in Helsinki or Espo, the oh, neighboring. Right. Oh, there you are. Huh? Uh, you, you know the book is going to be translated into Finnish. Is it? Who is it going to be doing the translating? Oh, I can't answer that. I don't know. Actually, <laughs> I just wanted to put you on the spot. I, I, I presume <laughs> some, some Finnish person. <laughs> right, probably guess. Good guess there. <laughs> But hey, uh, let me just get back to the whole subject of the book and and the writing process. And you said in the beginning that you had to have some conversations with other people to just make sure that things actually happened the way that you think that they did. Did you come across situations where people were like, no, dude, no, this is (laughs) not at all Uh, (laughs) how it was? The principal person I spoke to about it was Mark, obviously, because, uh, you know, he and I did the whole the the part we did the road together sort of thing you know uh or i think they called it a ride um and uh, so I, i i had to sort of talk to him about it a little bit in order to get some of the you know the some of the tone right because you know it's really about him and me and it's about the dire straight story which of course he's you know he's extremely relevant in and so you know i i needed to have his kind of uh input and also acknowledgement that this was going to work um so uh he very kindly wrote the forward uh, for the book which i think is just totally brilliant uh and um and so you know it would it, it was a it was a lovely thing to do it's kind of i was sort of celebrating it in a sense the whole kind of thing you know the, the because it was a when I look back on it, it was a pretty extraordinary thing to to do and, and get away with, really. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, it took us to all sorts of places in the world, meeting all sorts of incredibly interesting people. I mean, having Bob Dylan play a, a little concert for us in a hotel room in, in L.A. was pretty... Uh, Crazy. Mind-boggling, really. I mean, you, you can't really imagine that now, but uh, at that point he was, uh, he you know, was into it. And... Um, 
just meeting people on the way. I mean, it was just amazing. Uh, you know, Jerry Wexler doing the album, the Communique album, Roy Batan playing keyboards on Making Movies. And these were really fabulous moments. Playing with Eric Clapton at the Mandela concert, you know, Eric Clapton on rhythm guitar. <laughs> He's quite good, you know, on rhythm guitar. <laughs> he, plays mean, he plays a mean rhythm guitar, does Eric? Who's, who's your favorite friend from the road? Who's my favorite friend? Yeah, like one of those people, like who who you've met, who who made the biggest impact, or or <clears throat> just completely dropped your jaw, or that's whatever. A very good, that's a very good most. Yeah, I'm I'm not quite sure who I can. Um, I think probably meeting Bob was a sort of pretty seminal moment, really, uh, at Bob Dylan, because, uh, you know, having grown up with him and, you know, really tried to get him, you know, and and understand him and just live with his music, his world was... And then to to, have me striding over and saying, hey, you got a good sound there, you guys. (laughs) Mind-blowing. That's a good place to start, but... That was, I think, that was pretty uh, intense, and and then Mark sort of formed a, a relationship with him for a bit, you know, and uh, he still does, I think. Um, so that's fairly ongoing. I mean, oh, who did we bump into? Billy Joel was a, was a was a remarkable person to join us on the stage at Madison Square Garden. Oh, my thing! Oh my I mean, God! <laughs> well, I mean, and and play. We played a lot of concerts in 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 London for a charity called the Prince's Trust, which is Prince Charles's charity. So we had, you know, uh, Phil Collins on drums, Elton on piano, me on bass, Paul McCartney <laughs> playing. Paul McCartney wow. playing. I saw her standing there with me behind him playing the bass. That was quite interesting. Um, wow. You know, Eric, uh, oh, you know, amazing. Um, Tina Turner. And and then Jagger, and, Jagger comes on with uh, uh, David Bowie at the end. <laughs> of the so we then have, we all have to suddenly learn dancing in the street quickly because they they wanted to sing it. Right. All these so these are moments that I, mean, I try to sort of put it in the book, and it's slightly unreal when you think about it. But at the time, it was like, oh, so you know, Jagger and Bowie are coming up. Oh, great, that's nice. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. What do you mean that? that's nice? It's, it's extraordinary for Christ. Right. <laughs> One thing I'm wondering about in the book, and I, I, I honestly can't wait to get my hands on it after speaking with you today, is that one video, um, I Want My MTV. That was such a crazy music video. Yeah. And how did that come about? Like, was there a record company push for that? Was it the band's idea? Was there any... Um, like kind of internal problems with making a video that way. Well, it was it was I think it was one of the first um, computer generated uh, yes. videos. So it was a massive experiment, and it was a, done by a director called Steve Steve Barron, who was um, uh, experimenting with all this stuff. And I think he approached us uh, when he heard Money for Nothing. Yeah, and he said, "I'd really like to have a go at." Oh, and we were going. Oh no, no you know, yeah, we're not. We're not. We don't want to go down that path. We want to do something straightforward, you know. Right. And he said, "No, let me have a go. Let me have a go." Anyway, it was I think it was probably one of the most expensive videos ever made at that particular time. <laughs> completely, completely freaked out the record company. Um, but it was a sort of seminal moment, I think, in 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 the in that sort of that particular time because it uh, MT 
Sorry, just something else popping. That's me. Um, Money for Nothing was, um, uh, you know, written in in a in a shop in 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 New York when Mark was trying to buy a fridge. Can you imagine Mark being in a shop buying a fridge? Anyway, he was, <laughs> and MTV was on the screens, and so he he wrote down all the things that those blokes in that in the store were saying. You know, that, that ain't working. That's that's money for nothing. That oh, is, interesting. You know? Yeah. So he 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 wrote all that down. And then, of course, MTV came over to Europe, and just at the at the very moment that Brothers in Arms was being released with with them with you know with money for nothing in it, which was, of course was a rather ironic view of 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 MTV. <laughs> yeah. uh, but despite that, it went on to heavy rotation, which of course uh, created the um, situation that we we found ourselves in, which was a, 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 a you know a year of complete madness. Yeah, um, oh, like that. that, that, that <laughs> see, that's that's kind of what I was wondering. Like, it was a computer-generated video, and it played. Like, I I grew up in Canada. Uh, I now live in the United States, but on much music in Canada, that video was on at least every forty-five minutes, at Good. least, if not more. <laughs> <laughs> and like every time it came on, I was like, I can't believe what I'm watching. What am I watching? You know. Yeah. Mm. the lyrics were way over my head at the time because i was what year was that in 1985 yeah it had to be 85 yeah so i was like nine years old so the oh, lyrics were yeah. way over my head at the time but the video is just so captivating i couldn't take my eyes off it yeah no it was it was pretty cool i have to, we were very pleased with that and then of course steve c baron did uh, another one for brothers in arms as well which was very quite intense I don't know whether you've seen that one, but that's a, oh, that's I'm a sure very I have. sort of shot in black and white. And it's very intense, you know, with all the sort of the way it's been filmed and the images in it, you know. Right. So it was a massive experiment for us. And, and uh, but, you know, sometimes they come off and thankfully that one did. <laughs> yeah. I imagine yeah. the record company was like, you spent how much? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. He said, and you've got this. This is your bill. You're going to give it to the record company. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Those were the days when they would pay for things. They don't do that anymore. No, 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 no. no. It's, it's a bit like, do you have a record? Yes. Okay, we'll distribute it. Well, what does that even mean? <laughs> That's exactly right. Yeah. But funnily enough, I don't know whether it's happening in the states, but vinyl is taking a yeah, um, yeah. having a massive time over here. We can't, we can't, we haven't got enough uh, pressing plants to deal with the demand. It's quite extraordinary. What's it's happening. funny. The same yeah. we, had over Europe, here too. we had Europe our steps ahead of you with the new coming of the C cassette. So the what? it's totally happening. Yeah, like that's the biggest thing here. Like at, at least in Finland now, if you really, really want to be cool, you've got to do like a cassette version. Oh, wow. Oh, my God. Whatever that, EP. Wow. Okay. That, that's happening in Canada too. I've seen it I, around. I, I, I'm way, behind, way out of line here. I don't understand what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, the cassette tape. Like just the the like C cassette isn't that like universal? I'm losing you my mean voice. The old, the, old, the old cassette tape from the early yeah. 80s. Yeah, exactly. So not just the vinyls, but the cassettes also. Oh like, wow! <laughs> I'm sure I have like a cassette player somewhere in my basement still. Well, what so. are they doing? What are, are they making it out of the the old tape version? I mean, this is getting into technology here. Are they using are they using digital tape on it, or what are they doing with it? No, it's uh, no I think tape. it's the old school. Yeah, it's it's the real deal. No digital. 
complete with Dolby noise reduction. <laughs> I, never, I never knew what that was. You know, if somebody's no one does. It was, one it was a, it, did it sound better? And they said, yes, okay. I said, fine. That's all we need, right? On on those tapes, it was basically just a low-pass filter <laughs> to get rid of all that hiss, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think you can you can you can guarantee that I, I'm not very technical as you can probably imagine. You know, well, your playing is. <laughs> <laughs> that's very kind of you to say so. Let's put it this way: I used to keep it very simple, and that's that's what I do now. So nice. Anyway, yeah. we're we're running out of time here, John. I appreciate you taking the time so much. It's been a pleasure. Oh yeah, it's been great. Who are those guys behind? Is that that's Kiss behind you, isn't it? Yeah, is that, yeah, yeah. Is that one of your favorite bands? Yeah, well, yeah. Now, I mean, it used to be growing up, and then I've kind of drifted away a little bit, but yeah. Yeah, cool. I like the old school <laughs> stuff. <laughs> John, thank you for having a sense of humor and for joining us. I appreciate it so Love much. Love it, man. It's a pleasure. See you later, guys. Yeah. Be well, Bye-bye. my friend. Take Bye-bye. care. Bye-bye. 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 <laughs> hey, this is Steve Choi, host of the Musicians Guild podcast, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Within the four walls of the Musicians Guild, we'll be discussing the habits, idiosyncrasies, experiences, and general psychology of my friends and peers all involved with music in various capacities. Listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com.